Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Larry Kreider Leadership Podcast. And if you've been listening for a while, you'll recognize this is not Larry's voice. <laughs> this is Josh Good. And it is my honor to be on the podcast today and interview Larry. So Larry's here in the room with us. I am. Welcome, Larry, to your podcast. Thanks for inviting me on my <laughs> podcast. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's, it's a real honor to get to come in and just ask questions. I love doing this. Done it a few times in the past. You do it very well. <laughs> and uh, that's why I keep inviting you back to do it. I appreciate it. It's good to be the question asker, get the drill into you, Larry. And so today, we are going to actually drill into Larry on his book, House to House. And uh, it's going to be kind of fun guide. And, and this book has been really significant in the movement of Dove. So I'm excited to see where the conversation goes, where it takes us. And um, I'll try to give you some hard questions, Larry, and uh, you can tell Make us sure more. Not too hard. All right, all right. Well, we'll see. We'll see what I, what I can come up with. I'm not even sure the direction will go. Um, but before we go on, I want to say up front before we even start today that for the next five days on Amazon, you can get a free ebook. And uh, if anybody listening would like to pick up this book, Larry already said it. Amazon, house to house website, wherever you find books. Um, if you're in the area, swing by and we'll get you a copy. Um, but um, could you just tell us a little bit about this book and its significance, sure. how it emerged, why you wrote too. it? Yeah, yeah. well, I wasn't planning to write the book. I, I wasn't planning to write any book, honestly. Few people know this, but I mean, now it's like 45 books later, you know, but I never had a desire to write. And my father, when I was in my 30s, my father came to me one day and said, Larry, I think you're going to write books. And if anything I could do to help you, I'd like to do that. Wow. And that was out of context for my dad. I mean, yeah. you know. Because your dad's just a farmer, right? Yeah, he's a, he was a <laughs> farmer. And so, but he was right. Cause, and what ha- the reason this book came about was uh, we had started you know, with a group of 25 people, a brand new church, reaching, you know, unsaved kids who came to Christ and needed a church. And we, I, I read the books like John Wesley and all these, you know, fathers of the faith. And so, so often they had these small groups, these house groups and met in homes. Mm-hmm. And so we thought, we're going to do the same thing. That's where discipleship can happen. So we started to do that. Our tr- we started a church in 1980, a group of us, and started to grow. And like 10 years later, you know, it was like 2,000 plus people yeah. and 130 small groups. We call them cell groups. Uh, today, that sounds like prison ministry cell group. But in those days, <laughs> yeah. we picked it up from Dr. Cho in Korea. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so one day I got a phone call. I was asked to come and visit a very well-known speaker in those days. His name was Ralph Neighbor. He wrote a book called Where Do We Go From Here? And had to do with what he called cell groups, small groups. And he was in New Jersey. So I remember I went there, with, took our administrator with me, and I just met him. And he said, come, I want to meet you. I heard about you and heard about what God's doing with this dove group. Mm. And so 
I meet him and in between his sessions, and he says, tell me your story, tell me your story. So I told him the story, just basically what God had done, and uh, all these people came to Christ and all these small groups, these house-to-house groups. He said, did you write it? Write this? Is it in a book? I said, no, I've never written a book. He said, you need to write this in a book. Wow. I said, that's how it happened, Josh. And that was where the seed was sown. My father, first of all, and then Ralph Neighbor. In fact, Ralph's company was called Touch Publications. When it was first published, they were the publishing company for the wow. book. Wow. So what was what was the time difference between when your father would have said that and when you would have Great question. had that conversation with Ralph? Great question. My guess is eight to ten years. You know, it was, wow. It was a while later. So the seed was in your heart. It was. It was. And I, we had a few other people. We were writing some manuals and things that we had used. And so I was able to compile a lot of things that, you know, we groups of us had written together and, and just start the process. And, and and I learned then from my first book, you know, I learned that I need a team. Can't do it myself. You know, my sister-in-law, Karen, my wife, Laverne's sister, was really, really helpful. Sarah Souter, who you would know, runs yeah. our publication company, was behind, every, I mean, helped me with every book I've ever written. Wow. Uh, so it's always this whole teamwork thing that makes it work. Wow. I just think that's a significant point. And how old would you have been when you wrote this This it, 95? It's 95. I think 95. So I must have been, by that time, I must have been about 45. So I'm you guessing. wrote 45 books yeah. in the last 25 years? Yeah, books and booklets. Yeah, like 40 <laughs> real books. And I think it was about maybe, I don't know, a couple of booklets or whatever. And you didn't, yeah. know if you, you, you didn't know you were a writer until... I did not, but I learned to enjoy writing. That's a powerful writing. testimony. I don't well, think I knew that. the other deal is this, Josh. I learned so much from other people's books. Yeah. I learned so much from reading, you know, Charles Finney's books and all that. I thought, yeah. man, I've been so blessed because these guys and gals were willing to write down their stories and their God stories and all the things they learned about the kingdom, at least I can do that for other people. Yeah. And we found it's been really fruitful around the world. Yeah. So talk a little bit about this book, House to House. What is its significance to you, especially sure. if it being your first book? What's the significance to you? And then what's the significance of this book's contents to to the body of Christ? Okay. Well, first of all, for, for me, God showed us a kind of a, a method of building churches, and we see it in the New Testament. It comes from Acts 20.20. Paul said, I taught you publicly and from house to house. That's where house to house comes from. That's that's how we got our title. And basically, we saw that Jesus said we're called to not have big meetings, but have to make disciples. And big meetings are great. I love big meetings. I speak at many big meetings around the world. But he's called to make disciples, and that doesn't happen at a big meeting happens in a small group of two people, three people, five people, eight people, ten people, a house-to-house group, so yes. to speak. And of course, it doesn't, you don't have to meet in a house. You can meet in any kind of small group. So just that was so significant. And so then what we did is we took all the stuff we learned the hard way. I mean, a lot of things we learned about house-to-house ministry, small group ministry, life group ministry, or even house church ministry, which is a bit different. But we learned this stuff the hard way because we didn't have a lot of other people that were doing the same thing. I remember there's a group of Baptists in our area who had heard about us in those early days and we were doing these house we, we, we were called an underground church you know i had a word from god in 1978 are you willing to be involved with the underground church so it was like underground this is the underground part of the church and these baptists they, they, they told me years later we'd give them a gift for the building program and they came back and say hey we want to thank you and by the way we thought you guys are crazy you know <laughs> you, you're kind of underground we didn't know what you're doing and we thought you when you got together you swung from chandeliers they said that yeah you know? and i said well, we didn't have chandeliers we probably <laughs> would have, you know? but it was just something God was doing, 
And so we realized you need to write some things down so others don't have to learn the hard way. Yeah, I think it's significant because, I mean, you were doing this for many years, and then you wrote this down in a book. Right. Where did the inspiration come to do ministry this way that then ultimately led to the book? Well, honestly, a lot of it came from that one word from God, are you willing to be involved wow. in the underground church? Yeah. really did. You know, you've heard me say a hundred times, the church is like yeah. a tree, and you got the you know, you got the root system underground, the underground part of the church, that's the house to house ministry, that's discipleship, that's one on one discipleship, small groups, and then you've got above the ground, and that might be a bigger it might be a bigger house church, or it might be a mega church, or it might be a community church, it doesn't matter. But you know, they're all important. But if we're strong underground, if the root system's strong underground, the church is strong above the ground. Yeah. So our emphasis for these last now 42 years, really 50 years in ministry, our emphasis has been on making disciples. We're called to make disciples. And whatever kind of church structure you have, making sure it's strong underground. Make sure the house-to-house part's strong. When you first started doing small groups or cell groups, you called them back then. Right. Um, I well, think we called them house fellowships at first. House fellowships. Yeah, we did house fellowships. We did use all kinds of terms. Then we went to Korea to learn from Dr. Cho, largest church in the world, yeah. 700,000 people. It was crazy. 700,000 yeah. people. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I went to a prayer meeting. It was only the only other pastors and the small group leaders. It was like 80,000 in the Olympic Stadium. It's just another world, you know. Know, uh, but they they reduce. We learned from them, and they use the term cell group because cells in your body go through mitosis; mm-hmm. they multiply, and, and that's the way it can work with small groups, house groups. They can multiply in the same way. But go ahead. Yeah, that whole story in Korea. We could go down a rabbit trail, but we should do a whole podcast on what God's done in Korea over the last sixty years. It's amazing. Seven hundred. Yeah. I'm just stuck on that yeah. number. Seven hundred thousand. I people. remember I got to the airport <laughs> second time I was there. I got to the airport, and a little Korean girl came up to me. A lady came up to me. Said, "Doctor Cho, so glad you're here." And I didn't even know that he knew who I was. And she said, uh, or you know, our church or anything. Yeah. And she said he'd like you to speak t- tomorrow afternoon at the church. Wow. And I thought. What Wednesday afternoon, you know, nobody comes Wednesday afternoon. I think there were 23,000 people. There 23,000 people on a it's Wednesday. It's just another after. world, Josh. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't have a box. But <laughs> what, what I wanted to talk about a little bit is in America anyway, in the church, how common were small groups in that day and age when you were implementing them? I They were not common. People thought were crazy. That's there what I were, thought because it's so normal now. People right. my age. Everybody. When I hear that, I'm like, really? People thought it was yeah. crazy because oh, every yeah. church has small group. I mean, they, most churches most have Most churches small... do today. Yeah, it's commonplace today. And in those days, they did not. In fact, there were a few, but there were a lot of controlling groups and people got into heavy discipleship and not, not mm-hmm. releasing spiritual fathering, rather than godly discipleship, real heavy-handed discipleship. For example, if you led the, it was more of a discipleship church, house church kind of thing. If you led the group and you want to move to, let's say, Sarasota, Florida, then you expect everybody to move with you to Sarasota, oh. Florida. Just crazy stuff like that. Yeah. So, but other than that, there were there's very little small group stuff. So we started training the body of Christ. And we had seminars. We had hundreds of people come from all over the country. I still meet people when I travel today, and they say, I remember back, whatever, 30 years ago, whatever it was, I remember coming, you know, to your, you guys, the church you had and the seminars you had. And we were just telling people our stories. This works, this doesn't work. And to follow the scripture and telling the stories. It's powerful to know that that all, the genesis of all that was from a word from God. I, it was. I, I love hearing it stories was. like that. And Yeah, it was for me it was two words. That was the main word. And then to actually start, I still didn't know what that meant when God spoke that. I, mean, I used to cry like a baby. Like I, You thought you were moving to China, right? I did. Yeah. Uh, either that or 
that, that was days of Berlin Walls and barbed wire oh. fences and maybe, you know, Eastern Europe or whatever. I didn't know. And, and, but I said, yes, God, whatever it is. Wow. But then it was about probably two years later when on a Sunday morning between the church hour, Sunday school hour, church hour, when God spoke to me. And I was part of a, my wife's daddy was a pastor of a Mennonite church. And the Lord said, I called you to start something new. I knew what that was. That mm. was a new church. Wow. And then God trained you guys in how to do that. How to you do know, I had yeah. no seminary, no, no background. There's a, <laughs> Josh, it was just Jesus and a group of us praying and loving Jesus. I mean, that's what it was. And amazing people work yeah. with us to, to see it happen. Yeah. yeah. That really gives a great backdrop for this book and, and how God led you through the years to this place. And I'd like to hear from your perspective you know, what are the, and someone can pick this up and go through this and see all the details, but sure. what are the real high, high points of emphasis in this book that we could hit on a little sure. bit this morning? Yeah, I'd love to do that. Well, first of all, in the book, we talk, tell the story. Mm. That's the first thing we do. I, I used to tell the story. Here's what happened. Here's what we learned the hard way. I mean, we didn't understand leadership. We, didn't, we, we, had, we, we started with what we call co-equal plurality in leadership. That means there's no real leader. Everyone's a leader. Uh, and that was being taught in the body of Christ in those days. And in fact, remember the main proponent of that, I taught in his church years later and reminded him that he taught that. He said, I'm so sorry I taught this. Oh, stuff. wow. He was in the senior pastor of a mega church later on, you know. <laughs> but and what happened? So that all just came crashing down over time. Oh, it did. Well, what mm. happened for us was no one gave leadership. And even though, you know, people looked to us to bring these people together to start this church, and a group of us had worked closely together. Uh, I mean, it, it was insecurity in my life. That's what it was. It was just insecurity. And so we're going to make a decision about who should preach. And, well, we couldn't figure it out who should preach, so nobody preached. It was just weird. Mm. And finally, the people in the church were smarter than we were in leadership. And they said, please, get together, decide what you're going to do. And in those days, we very wisely had two Mennonite bishops who were like spiritual fathers to us. And had we not had them in those days, we would there would be no doubt today. I'm wow. convinced, convinced. Then after a couple of years... They moved on. We didn't have a spiritual father. We were growing 300 people every year. It was just like revival. And, and we thought, well, we're fine. God's blessing us. But then when we got in trouble later in leadership, we that's when we really realized we need spiritual fathers. That's why we teach so much yeah. on spiritual fathers and that the church in the house is a family and families have parents and parents have mothers and fathers. And that's why we need spiritual fathers and mothers. Yeah. So, you know, we emphasize a lot of that in the book. And we used to do a lot of practical stuff. I mean, this book is about practically how to yes. start a small group in your home and on and on. It's just a, it's just a practical guide uh, to house-to-house ministry. Or, And, in fact, we've increased it now because about 20 years ago, we realized that God was calling some people to do house church, which was different than small group. Yeah, you know, Small group is part of your local church. You meet in small groups. And like you said, Everybody does that today. Almost every church yeah. does that. It's so it's powerful. It's needed. Uh, but there are those who have a heart for to actually have a church, and they are the elders in the house, and that's a whole different thing. So what we did is we expanded the book. This thing's going through a lot of revision over the years. Expanded so it works for healthy small groups in a church, in a community church, mega church. It also works for a house church. And house churches should have small groups too, by the way. That's where a lot of house churches yes. mess up. So if you have a house church of 10 people, you should have at least two or three small groups because you're making disciples. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's powerful that this book, and this is something I'm thinking about, is this book being written from a place of years of experience um, that it's not just, it's not just philosophy and, 
um, just like, oh, we think this might work. It's been refined by fire. Again and again. Again and again. Refined through the years as you've just sought to be obedient to that word from God about building the underground church, building from house to house. God, what does this look like? He brings those leaders into your life. You see it. You form it in your context, in your your culture. And it's really powerful. practical field guide probably it to really just is. yeah it really is you know we see in the cover learn how to experience healthy small groups and health churches it's a it's a practical field guide it, it's been yeah. tested and it's powerful because it's not just for senior leaders it's for it's to empower every Everybody. believer yeah see one of the things we learned early on is that every believer is a minister yes and we grew up i grew up back in the day it was like we had ministers and they were like the preachers or whatever you call them yes. the pastors and we need leadership of course we do in the church, but every believer is a minister. So we realized, I mean, here's how it happened for us. We had these kids came to Christ, they needed to be baptized. So I called a friend who was a pastor. If he asked me to come and baptize these new believers, he said, sure, he came in, spirit-filled guy and baptized these believers. So a couple weeks later, we had more came to Christ. I called him again. He said, well, I'll come, but only if you allow me to teach you how to do it. I said, well, I'm not ordained. Mm. I'm not licensed. How can I baptize? He said, anybody can baptize. Jesus baptized almost no one. He had others baptized. Paul baptized nearly almost no one. He had other people baptized. And so he came and taught us how to baptize. Wow. And so we believe the believers are called to do the work of ministry, Ephesians 4. Yes. Believers. And say, what ministry? Whatever ministry, you know, that's what we believe in small groups. You can do communion, you can do baby dedications, you can, you know, baptisms, you can do whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, pray for the sick, all that happens because it's family. Yeah. It's really the restoration of family to the church. Yeah, and I take family. I take that that language, that culture that's been established through decades now in at least in, in our region here here in Lancaster County, there's a lot of churches that have really carried this thinking, every man right. a minister, let's empower every believer to do the work of ministry. But it is it is it is something we have to hold on to in the body of Christ and make sure that we don't drift back that other direction right. because man, it's so much more powerful to have every person as a minister believing that I can do the work of ministry. I'm exactly. empowered by the Holy Spirit um, to go out and yeah, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast exactly. out demons. Baptized, yeah. and, and um, this is this was. I mean, I think this is just my opinion, and, and I don't know, but I think this book was just a real forerunner in liberating many to be able to go forth and do that work and have something in writing that that points back to the word, points to experience, and uh, liberates people to just go after what God's put in their heart to do. Exactly. Um, and so we talk in there about holy men and holy buildings. Yeah. For example, so a lot of people are looking for holy men. Yes. And that's what's happened. You've had the clergy laity division. And again, is there a need for leadership? Yes. There's a place right. for elders in the body of Christ. Of course. Lead elders, of course, there is. But we need to understand that the, the purpose of leadership are to train and release each of us to be ministers. Yeah. So we can minister, and we can do the ministry, and that's it's like it's like uh, having an army and expecting that the general does all the work. No, right. it's we all are involved in this together. It's powerful. And that's where fulfillment comes from, right. Josh. Fulfilled because we're fulfilling the call of God that's on our lives to be ministers. Yes. So the holy man, we have this thing about. Well, I got. We say go to church. We don't go to church. We are the church. I mean, really. Or we say the church is a building. It's not a building. It's it's people. Yes. We are the church. And so people have this mentality because for years, since Constantine, way back, yes. that's the way it's been. You have this holy man, you go hear a holy man preach in a holy building, and hey, we're all holy. And I love good preaching, I love to sit under good preaching, 
Uh, but bottom line is we're all called to be ministers and do the work of ministry, and we are we are all holy before the Lord. Yeah, and I think even still, this is still somewhat countercultural. Even as there's been tons of language on this and, yeah. and writing on this, I still think it's it's a bit countercultural in that it calls forth like people, I mean, to yeah. to step into that role. Right. And I think that is a bit of a tension yeah. in that I mean and, and not to get too <laughs> too controversial or pointed, but I think it is helpful to talk a little bit about the church in America and as we as we continue to grow, right? As we look forward to the future, um, we can't have a massive segment of the church simply attending on Sundays and exactly. listening to the man up front. Exactly. And and there's nothing wrong with that structure, right? If every person is empowered inside of that context, and that's what's so wild about the seven hundred thousand person church, right? Because. It was a massive church, but they had a structure 50, in place. 50,000 cell groups. 50,000, right. When I was there. And yeah. that's incredible. And so yeah. I'm not pointing a finger at structure. I'm pointing right. a finger at, hey, philosophy that says, hey, you can just come here and attend. And right. there's no expectation on you to do the work of ministry. And you right. can't read the Bible and not feel exactly. a sense of call and responsibility to right. disciple and love and pray and do yeah. the work. like. Right. We're not supposed to just coast through life. So I'm going to get off my soapbox. Do you have anything to add to that? <laughs> I just a big amen. I mean, I totally agree. It's a holy man, holy building thing. You know, we're all holy, and our house is holy just like a church building is holy. It means set apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're all called to minister. Yeah. And, and, we, and our home is a great way to do it, a great place to do that. Yeah. Uh, and so I think, I mean, with, I, like I said, this book has gone through a lot of revision over the years because times change. But the basics are all still the same. Believers are called to do the work of ministry. Right. I had a friend who's a pastor, for example, and he's a lead elder in a church in the Midwest. And a, a guy in one of the small groups, they led a guy to Christ. This guy, after about six months, passed away. He died. He never came to the Sunday morning meeting, but he's connected to the small group. Now, obviously, it's good if they can come to a larger meeting, but in that case, he never did. His family, his, his, uh, this guy's parents and family, they thought the small group leader was the pastor of the church. They didn't know. Mm. They said, could you handle the funeral? He didn't know what to do. Wow. He came to my friend who was the senior leader, pastor of the church, and said, what do I do? He said, I'll help you. He said, I'll, I'll tell you what to do. Do it beyond, uh, beyond the scenes. And he told me later, he said, that was the most amazing anointed funeral I was ever had in my life. Wow. Because it was all built by relationship. Yes. people in relationship. So it wasn't fulfilling some kind of a spiritual obligation. duty or obligation. Yeah. Right. It's my relationship. Yeah, the powerful. church is family. Yeah. Families have fathers and mothers and spiritual fathers and mothers, and that's why it's important. Could we hit a little bit on, because um, some people are going to hear this or read this book and say, yeah, this sounds really great, Larry, but what what do we have to watch out for? Because to just empower everybody like that, well, there's real dangers. People sure. don't know things. I mean, like, right. and there are real dangers, and I think it's there worth are. talking about. And, and I'm sure you address some of those I in do. this book. Could you talk a little bit about okay. that? Because I think that's the real flip side of this. So Here's what we have to remember. When someone is leading a small group in a church, let's say a life group, use whatever term. I love the term life group personally. But if you're leading in a church, whether it's a house church or a mega church or a community church. By the way, when I use that term, mega thousand, usually they're just large churches. And community church means we meet on a Sunday morning in a building somewhere. And we have small groups during the week. And then house churches, the real church meets in the house. But they probably have some smaller discipleship groups also. 
So when, when I just understand the terminology that I'm using. So bottom line is when we are involved in house church ministry or involved in small group ministry, uh, we need to be trained. And so here's the deal. Any, any church needs elders. And so the leaders of the small groups are an extension of the leadership of the eldership of the church. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Yes. They're an extension of that leadership. So if they get in over their heads, there's elders, there's people, or pastoral staff, people that help them walk through that. Uh, even in a house church, there's elders, in a, and true house church has eldership in the house. And if there's three discipleship groups, wherever they have, there's still an extension of that. But see, people learn by doing. Yeah. If people don't get a chance to do it, they never learn. Right. Otherwise, they get the same sermon again and again, and we all feel good. But the kingdom isn't growing yes. because we're not making disciples. Right. So that's why I believe so much in small groups. God is the God of two or three. If two or three gather my name, I'm in the midst of them. And he's the God of two or three. And that's why Jesus had Peter, James, and John, you know. Yes. You know, Paul had Timothy and Silas and, you know, Quill and Priscilla in a small group around him. Yeah. And there's just something about small groups that's so powerful. It's the way the kingdom grows. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that from, from just the practical side of Dove in, in the way that we grow. I think it'd be helpful for listeners to hear um, what that process, like we go through a series of, and this is on on-ramping churches, yeah. but I still think it's in the same context of like, yeah. hey, we're not just, you know, blessing every person. No. We There's actually a process that people go yes. through to empower them and release yeah. them and raise them up and yeah. bless them in what they're doing. But what does that process look like in Dove? Sure. Because that's well, been birthed by experience as well. Of, of course it has. It has. That's a gr- great, great question. And I simply would answer by saying this. First of all, uh, you've heard me say this many times. You've heard you going through our school. You've heard this. For any group of people to work together effectively, there must be a commonality of four areas. Same vision, same values, same procedure or methodology, and then relationship, God-given relationship. If you miss any one of the four, it doesn't work. So people in a small group in a local connected to a local church need to have the same vision, values, basic procedure, and be in relationship yeah. with those in leadership in the church. It must be that that connection. Uh, same true in a house church. In house churches, we encourage network together or work with a community church. You know, have accountability and connection. So that's what we have a school. That's what we have the Dove Leadership, you know, the Global Leadership Ministry School to teach and train people in their basic values. Now, when I use those four areas, vision is where you're headed. Mm-hmm. Values is what will you die for. Mm. Procedure is how do you do it. You know, your methodology and then relationship. Yeah. I've seen many friends in relationship come together and they say, oh, wow, this is going to be awesome. We're just going to work together and, and have a new ministry or new church or whatever. And bottom line is it blows up in two years because oh. all they had was relationship. Oh, wow. So you, we need training and we need accountability. We need to be connected. So before someone's starting a small group, we say, I always encourage them, where's your spiritual connection? Who are, the, who are your spiritual fathers and mothers? Because this it's like a web of relationship that's the most amazing thing in the world. Yeah. And it really does work because it's all built on, it's built on relationship, it's built on vision, built on values, and then we have the same basic procedure. So when I say procedure, proce- house church is one procedure and mega church has another procedure. Yes. They're both good, but you have to be in agreement in those. Yeah. Or it's just not gonna work. It, life's too short, Josh. Let's just work with people that we want to work with, and that we that's that's this should be a joy. Yes, and I think sometimes we try to make stuff work when people have different values, different vision doesn't work. We'll, we'll all be in heaven together. That's great. But yeah. while we're here in this earth, let's work together with those that we can and yeah. honor everybody else. Yeah, honor. 
Uh, could you say that one more time? The the vision is where you're. Okay, that was v- good. Okay. I wanted to hear that again. Okay, vision. Got you. Vision is where you're headed. That's why Habakkuk yeah. two says, "Write the vision down on tablets so you can run." Yeah. So you got a team of people. You're running together. What's your vision? Yeah. Every church needs a vision. Every family needs a vision. Every person needs a vision. Every small group needs a vision. That's vision. Yeah. Values is deeper. Sometimes it takes ten years to know somebody's values. Values are those things that you really, really, really believe. You'll die for. And, and often, usually when things break down in a team, it's different it's values. Value. It's value. Related. It just takes a while. Yeah, you see that. And it's okay. If it doesn't work, it's okay. Let's, let's honor one another, bless one another, yes. and be friends. Let's do that and try to force something. Yes. You know, you have people for training children. You have the homeschool families. Their value is train our children. That's a value. Yeah. It's deep to them. Yes. Others say, no, we believe Christian school is better. Others say, no, public school is better because you train your kids how to be in the world, yeah. you know, and be a light. Mm-hmm. And, but it's not a right or wrong. It's what are your values yes procedure is your methods how do you do it mm-hmm. and then of course relationship is god-given yeah. healthy relationship yeah it's really helpful language i think just for the the person out there who's thinking man i might have a call from god to do one of these right. areas right and i think it'd be helpful um i want to just go here really quick could you speak to that leader out there who's maybe listening feeling man i feel like i might have some vision God's laying in my sure. heart for maybe sure. small group, maybe house church, sure. maybe sure. community church. Um, how? What should they do? Well, first of all, you start by praying. You say, Jesus, what are you calling me to do? What, what, what's the practical steps I need to take? Number two, as we pray, we ask God to show us, is there a person I can connect with, somebody who's doing this already that I can connect with? Number three, we need to stay in communication with our spiritual those in our lives who are spiritual leaders. Yeah. So they can help us find the way. Often spiritual leaders will help us find right people that will connect with us or help us with timing. Yeah. So we need to do that. And I say, you know, read books like House to House. You know, yeah. pick up the book. And by the way, this you can get on the Dev International uh, bookstore. You can get this on Amazon.com or wherever you, wherever you buy books, you can yeah. get House to House. Uh, so I say start there and then get a, people, a group of people together. God uses teams. Yeah. I've never done anything. I told you this recently, Josh, without a team. Mm-hmm. You know, and you start with a, a team. So is there another person who would share the same thing? And then you begin to see it build from there and see God do amazing things through your life. Yeah, it's powerful. Uh, I I think it's important for people to hear that because sometimes you just you feel that vision stirring in the back of your mind. Right. It's easy to be like, ah, maybe that's right. not God. Maybe that's right. just me. But what does it test look like it. to cultivate it, test yeah, it, stir yeah. it? And read a book, and then maybe you will realize, oh, it's just me. Or maybe you'll realize, no, this is it's really God, and I need doing. to act on this. Right, right. Um, I wanted to end here. You wrote this book in 1995. Right. We're 27 years later. And I was saying to you before we hopped on here, it's amazing how this language is coming back around into church culture. A couple years ago, um, Francis Chan wrote the book Letters to the Church. Right, right. People my age and I'm right. getting approaching thirty are talking about, man, we we need a new wine skin. We want to do house church, micro church. A lot of right. this language being thrown around. Right. What what is house to house ministry in 2022? How do you God see? How do you see God using this book into the future? Sure. Um, and because I think it's going to be continue to be relevant because right. it's birthed out of that word from God in Acts 20. Right. So could you talk a little bit about that? I can. I think we've got to get past thinking our way is the only way. Hmm. 
And we need to get to a place where we recognize God speaks different things to different people. And as long as we love Jesus, we love the scriptures, you know, we're in the kingdom of God, and we can honor one another even if we go down some different paths. So I believe there's more than three kinds of churches. We emphasize three because yeah. we've been involved in three, you know, the mega church, the large church. But in all these types of churches, you need some kind of life group, cell group, whatever. And then the community church, many churches in the Dove Global family are community churches. But now globally, there's probably more house churches than any other kind of church, like places like South Central Asia, uh, places in Myanmar, places that, that we are at. These churches are microchurches, house churches. Mm-hmm. And, and if if you want to know more about that, I did write another book sometime back uh, called Microchurch Networks, A Church for a New Generation. That yeah. focuses on microchurch. Right. So... I say what I see God doing today is God's heart, again, it all goes back to go and make disciples. Mm-hmm. What's the most effective way to make disciples? And truthfully, in America, you know, we train missionaries to send them all the world. Truthfully, when, they, when missionaries get to other parts of the world, in most cases, they end up training people in house church because that's what they have to do. It yeah. might be persecuted areas. You know, we don't know what's going to happen to our nation, and we're praying that it does, that does not begin to persecution. But the truth is, house-to-house ministry will always be here. Yeah. Regardless of what happens in nations and governments, house-to-house ministry will always be here. So our heart would be that this book would be a handbook to help people in any culture, whether they're megachurch people, whether they're community church people or whether they're house church people or whether they have some other kind of church in the heart. You know, this would be, that's a whole other subject. But uh, I believe this book will, will help them learn to experience healthy small groups and house churches. I feel like that's a, a really powerful place to land. Um, and I wanted to close by just asking you to pray for us, Larry, because sure. I think you're right. This is a, that's a powerful thought. I mean, in Acts 20, they're meeting, Acts from, 2020. They're meeting from house to house. It's in the Bible. And... Today, you're right, in persecuted Acrola, nations, yeah. it's Acrola, the only Priscilla. option. I mean, on and on, Nymphus, yes. on and on in the Bible, Philemon, they meant homes. Yeah, and it, it's it's always going to be here, and that's right. a powerful thought. Like, large churches could be persecuted by the state. They yep. may fall away. Um, and we're not pointing a finger saying that one way is right or wrong. No, I was, Absolutely I was a megachurch pastor. I believe in megachurch. I attend yeah. a megachurch, and I believe in it, sure. and I believe in it. And right. But the, the emphasis is every person's a minister. We want right. to see every person raised up in their God-given call. Exactly. And um, you're right. I mean, house to house across the world is going to continue to be something that the church continues to do yeah. into the generations to come. So could you just, love just pray for us love in to. closing? Um, I'd love to. Father, thank you for your presence in each of our lives, for every one of us, Lord God, that are on this podcast today. Lord, those who are just searching for your your leadership for their future, I pray, Lord God, for grace, for wisdom, for discernment, Lord God, and know next steps ahead in Jesus' name. And we pray, Lord, for an explosion of house-to-house ministry in its many forms, Lord God, throughout our nation, the nations of the world, in the name of Jesus. And we pray that you would be honored and glorified through it all because you said when two or three gather in your name, you're in the midst of us. Mm-hmm. Lord, we want to live out our lives with you in the midst of us for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you, Larry, for being on your podcast today. <laughs> thank <laughs> for you. For allowing me to pick your, your brain. It is a real honor and privilege to get to ask you about um, 
this book specifically, but also your life that's been just forged by 50 years of ministry. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today, exactly. giving us your time. Anything to add, Larry, before we close? I just want to say, check out the show notes. We've got some uh, some insight on there that will help you also take you a step further. And uh, thanks to all of you for joining this podcast today. And Josh, thank you. I, you asked good questions. It's real so fun. Thank you so much. And we look forward to seeing all of you again real soon on the Larry Crider Leadership Podcast. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.